Hi everyone, this is Jessica Chen and you are listening to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Each episode is meant to teach and inspire you to find new ways to level up your speaking skills. Because here's the truth, it's possible and I'm so thrilled you're here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. Now let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Today's guest is Chris Westfall, and we are going to be talking about how to master your elevator pitch. It is something that we all do without realizing it. Whenever we are meeting someone for the very first time, going to a new event, and when somebody asks, tell me about yourself, well, that is an elevator pitch. Chris and I, we are going to be sharing our favorite tips on how you can build an elevator pitch. How can you make it exciting? But we're also going to be talking about the subtleties of what makes a compelling pitch so people listen. It's a great conversation. Let's get into it. Chris, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. Great to be here. So Chris, for those who are not familiar with you and your work, please tell us a little bit about yourself and the things that you do. Well, you know how when somebody says, tell me a little bit about yourself, the way that you answer that question is called an elevator pitch or an elevator speech. And a few years back, Jessica, I was recognized as the U.S. National Elevator Pitch Champion. And when I received this recognition, it launched my coaching and speaking and writing career. And since that recognition, I've helped my clients to land on television shows like Shark Tank here in the United States, Dragon's Den in Canada, even Shark Tank Australia. I've been a part of launching over six dozen businesses and helping to raise over $100 million in capital using the communication strategies that I share in my books. And today... I'm here to look in the direction of service to, to the folks who are here from all over, from Russia and Helsinki and Austin, Texas, Budapest, Hungary. I mean, it's amazing. And, and I'm here to, to serve. And I am thrilled to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, Chris, we are so excited. By the way, there are almost 100 of you all here right now. And I'm sure everybody is eager to learn. And what you just did, Chris, and we're just going to dive in right now. You essentially, when I said, hey, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. You gave a fantastic elevator pitch, but let's kind of dissect it. Okay, just let's step back a bit. What's an elevator pitch? How does a person even think about constructing it? Do you prepare it? What do you do? So an elevator pitch or an elevator speech is a short persuasive introduction to a person or a product or an idea. And if you do it right... The new elevator pitch, and I, I, I said the new elevator pitch, which right is a more modern take on this idea. It's not really a pitch at all. It's not a pitch, Jessica. It's it's a conversation. It's a way to start a conversation, which I think is the thing that we we all want. Conversations about our careers, conversations in our relationships, conversations that can help us launch a business, conversations with sharks that can invest in our ideas. It's about a conversation. And I think that's the key word right? I think a lot of people, when they hear pitch, a lot of times they're like, oh gosh, I have to put myself out there. I have to what sell myself, right? And it gets a lot of people very anxious, me included. I don't like the idea of having to sell myself in any way, but I think when you reframed it, hey, it's a conversation. 
it takes a lot of anxiety out. But okay, it's a conversation though. But what does that mean, Chris? What do people have to do? Well, it's important to understand what makes a good conversation. And if, if you want, I can just share with you some of the principles that, that, that I use in my coaching. And these are, when I say principles, that means that they're ideas like, like the law of gravity. I mean, it, they work, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you've got a lot of education or none. I mean, gravity, gravity works. It's just and, <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Is, right. So principles. So one of the things that is really useful to remember when it comes to this this idea of your elevator pitch, in other words, trying to be persuasive in some way, is to remember that the simplest message is the strongest. And think about that for a second. And by the way, as I share these principles, Jessica, I, I want I want people to ask themselves a three-word question as I share these principles today and as we talk. And, and in order to, to share that three-word question, I... I didn't talk to you about this, but I need to use a green screen. I hope that's okay. Here's oh, sure. the three word question. Is that true? And when I say true, I mean true like the law of gravity, not, not truth, a matter of belief or, or faith or personality type. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The simplest message is the strongest. Is that true? Because if it is, We've got to focus on being simple and plain spoken and straightforward in our elevator pitch because we have to first be understood if we want to inspire action, which is really what persuasion does. Does that make sense? It totally does. So, okay. The question to ask is, is that true? Now, there is actually an, uh, a question from one of the audience members, and I think it kind of goes back to essentially what it is that you are saying. And this person is just asking, you know, how do you come up with an elevator pitch without necessarily results to back it up? Like, how much can you say embellish? Is that can we even do that? Or no, we don't want to do that. What what's the safe route to take when you do want to present yourself well, but maybe you don't have all the amazing accomplishments or accolades yet to back it up? got to start with authenticity. Sometimes it's the, the best things that never happen to you that make your elevator pitch compelling. Yes. And, and so what I would say is, is you, you don't have to have a track record to be able to create new results. I mean, think about that and ask yourself, is that true? I mean, since, since time began, has there ever been a, a business that's been funded before they made any money, before there were customers and before there was revenue? The answer is yes, that is true. And so if that's true, that it's possible to receive money and investment for good ideas, maybe it would be useful to look in the direction of what are your good ideas? What is it that you'd like to create for yourself? That is the place to start for your elevator pitch. And it doesn't have to be something grand. It doesn't have to be a discussion of some five-year plan. It could be as simple as why don't we try the new sushi restaurant next Thursday? That, my friends, is a persuasive conversation. It's a simple one. You're not asking the sharks for a million dollars, but persuasion is all around us. So what is it that you would like to create for yourself? And by extension, what would you like to create for the people around you? And it could be something just as, as unique and miraculous and wonderful as a great conversation over some sushi next Thursday for lunch. I'm always down for sushi. You got me at sushi. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I okay. Sushi. I know. I'm a 
big sushi person. Okay. So Chris, I think at the heart of what it is that you're saying is, yes, you may not have that extensive work experience to showcase, right? But it's okay. What it is that we can all learn to do essentially, and you know, we can definitely talk about this, is also how do you tell your story, right? As humans, all of us are connected through the same emotions we all feel. I may not have your experience, Chris. I know you're based in Texas, right? I've never lived in Texas, but you can tell me about some of the experiences you've had living there. And, you know, I've had similar experiences, for example, you know, living in a big city, right? So that in itself, ah, I get that feeling. And I think that's the heart of what I want to get folks to understand is like when it comes to communications, is really trying to evoke emotions out of people. And that is at the essence of, I think also, I mean, Chris, tell me if it's right. The essence of a good elevator pitch is to evoke emotions out of people and people to be like, oh, wow. Wow. I don't know, Chris, what do you think about this? Uh, well, there's, there's a lot to unpack in there. I think that a pitch is more emotional than say a presentation. Um, because, uh, uh when you are pitching something, when you are trying to be persuasive, you, you care. And if you're an entrepreneur or you've got a side hustle or you're trying to launch a business, whatever the case may be, that there's a passion associated with that. Yeah. And being able to convey that passion in a way that's that's contagious, and I say that in a good way, but in a way that's contagious, so that others can get enrolled and involved. Because a pitch is really about getting other people enrolled and involved. You're, you're not just reporting on something or, or sharing mm -hmm. a verbal white paper. Mm -hmm. You're trying to create the, the one thing that, that creates a very, very powerful, in fact, an undeniably powerful pitch, the one thing that creates it is connection. Okay. Connection. Mm -hmm. So then my next question really is, okay, if somebody wants to go and write out, draft perhaps their elevator pitch to build meaningful and strong connections with whoever it is that they meet, what goes into a elevator pitch? What needs to be said in an elevator conversation, right? If we're not using the word pitch, what needs to be, what needs to be in it? What needs to be in a powerful pitch is an understanding of how to know if you've created a powerful pitch, right? I mean, how would you know if you've done it right? That would be the first place to start so that you could create towards that outcome. Make sense? So the way that you know if you've got a powerful pitch, it's not judged by your body language or even the words that you choose. It's judged by what your listener does when you are done. The purpose of a pitch is to not just inform, but to compel, to create action. And the action that you want to create in your elevator pitch is demonstrated in three words. These three words that people say when you are done delivering your message. Here they are. Tell me more. <laughs> so you create that conversation. So if you want to know what to put into your elevator pitch, what's the ideal tell me more? What would you like to create? And by the way, that ideal tell me more, it has to be realistic, right? The tell me more is not like, can I give you a check for a million dollars? I mean, come on. It, it has to be something that is realistic, something that is logical and something that is actionable. A powerful elevator pitch as well. Another principle that I'll share with you. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to do something, to make an investment, to take action, to try the sushi, to do something. 
to do something for the greater good, to do something that will create market impact, to do something that will help the business by giving you a promotion or giving you a raise or giving you the job. Mm -hmm. See what I mean? So when we start, when we start with those intentions, it guides us into the tactics that can help us to create an elevator pitch. For those who are watching right now, I just want to do a quick reset. So Chris and I are here and we are talking about how to master your elevator pitch. And we've, I mean, we've been kind of chatting for the last like 10, 15 minutes or so, which by the way, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like we've been, it's like, there's so many good things. So by the way, if anybody has any thoughts or questions, the chat function is here for you. If you're thinking as Chris and I are talking, by the way, we have a lot more we want to share as we continue to chat, please throw your questions or any questions or comments into it because we want to help you think about your own elevator pitch or how do you approach conversations, right? I don't want to assume that you all have certain questions. So please just throw it into the chat function and we'll answer it. So Chris, going back to this. Yes. Do elevator pitches change depending on who you are talking to? Or is there just kind of like a solid standard amongst how you talk about yourself with anybody and everybody you meet? It always changes with every audience. I mean, that's one of the things that you that you do so well in, in the, you know, some of the shows that I've watched and the messages that you've delivered, Jessica, is that you are very adaptable and our conversations have to adapt to our audience. Because here's another principle. The strongest conversation starts with what your listener is thinking. Now consider that for a second. It, the strongest conversation starts with what your listener is thinking. In other words, if you want to be top of mind, start by talking about what's top of mind for your audience, for the person that's right in front of you. And, and if you want, I mean, I, if you'd like, I don't normally do this, but I can show people how to read minds today if that would be useful from an elevator pitch standpoint. I mean, if how you want. anybody say no to that? <laughs> Okay. And it doesn't, I mean, I know everybody's like, what, what did he just say? But I'll, I'll, I'll show you that. Yeah. Remind me, we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later and I'll show people how to read minds, but start with what your, your listener, your audience is thinking and speak to what it is that is their concern. You know, and this, this really applies, like, especially if you're going in and you're, you're going to talk to your boss about a raise, right? That's a common place for an elevator pitch. And, and of course, it's so easy to fall into the trap to start speaking about what it is that you need. You know, uh, I need this. I've been here for six years. I need this raid race. Baby needs new shoes, right? I need to be rewarded for my hard work. And I'm not saying that you don't need to be rewarded for your hard work. But what is it that your boss is going to receive when this promotion takes place? I mean, in business, it's about giving to get. So what is it that you are going to give to get that raise? And can you phrase your request in terms of what it means to the person right in front of you, the person who's going to say yes or no to your request? And when we look at what others want rather than what we want, we're looking in the direction of, of service, or you might even say selfless service. Because so many people, they come to me and they say, and you've said this in, in, in your presentations, and I love it when you do. They, they talk about how they don't want to talk about themselves, <laughs> right? And, and you know what I say? First of all, me too, contrary to popular belief, I do not like to talk about myself. But here's the thing. If you don't want to talk about yourself, then don't do it. Put your attention on the person in the conversation that matters most, mm -hmm. right? I mean, listen, who's... In this conversation, we've got people from all over the world. We've got people from Alberta, Canada that are here on this call with us. In terms of us and the audience, who's most important? 
The answer is always the audience. Of course. Always. And, and isn't that true in your elevator pitch? So when we, when, we, when we look in the direction of conversation, when we look in the direction of service, when we look in the, in, away from self-awareness, which is right next door to selfishness and self-consciousness, we look in the direction of selfless service. We look in the direction of putting something out there that can help the people around us, that can be of service. Ask yourself, what's more compelling than that? Everything that you're saying points to, to me, it's this. It's the most compelling communicators. And for everybody who's on this, by the way, it's over 100 of you now who are here, which is amazing. For those who are listening and thinking, how do I be just a better communicator in general? It's what you just said, Chris. It's thinking about others first. What does my audience care about? Because that is how you earn their ears. If all you're doing is just talking about, oh, I did this, I'm, I did that, I did that, right? People are like, but why do I care, right? So any communications, whether it's an elevator pitch or not, it's always putting your audience, your customers, your clients, your managers, you know, your team first. And then you tailor your message to them. This actually, um, I have to bring up this point because I have a framework at Soulcast Media that we use when we are teaching folks how they can essentially advocate for themselves, which is almost kind of like an elevator pitch. Like, how can you talk about yourself without necessarily talking about yourself, but making sure you're getting other people to pay attention? So for those who are listening, feel free to write this down. We call it the SAW framework, S-A-W. And essentially, it's a three-part framework where this is how you want to think about framing your message. The S starts with strong point. What's the strong point you want to make? The strong point is what's timely about your request, right? Timing is huge. How can you answer their questions of, you know, why now? A is align objectives. Let's say you're going to your manager and you're asking for something. Chances are your manager is going to be like, well, as a manager, I care about budget. I care about resources. Can you already answer that question before you make your request? If you can prep your answers to their concerns, your aligning objectives, and then the W, it's now why you. You is a third step, if you can see here. Because again, even though this is about you, you're making this request, you can't make that the priority of how you kick off your conversation. That's why it's the W, it's the third step. So it's just a, a general framework that I like to use when I work with folks because it gets people thinking about saw framework. How can I frame my messaging? Do you have anything similar to that, Chris, that you kind of like help your clients through when they think about communicating, asking or anything like that? Well, I yes, there's a lot of strategies and tactics that go into creating an elevator pitch, which again, in, in my world is simply a persuasive and powerful conversation. But beyond the tactics and strategies, I, I want to share something that I heard you say, Jessica, and it really stuck with me. Along with your saw method, I, I wrote it down. You said, great communicators become great leaders. And what I like to start off with when I work with clients, either corporations or individuals, is to talk about the importance of, of good communication. And, and the framework supports that importance. And so many times people come to me and they say, I, I don't know how to create a, an elevator pitch. And I say, you know, is, is that really true? You don't know, you don't know how to have conversations. Maybe you're not as good at it as you could be, mm -hmm. but you don't know how to have a conversation. You've never asked for something and received it. You've never been persuasive. It, it's, 
it seems like it doesn't pass the green screen test. And so with my clients, what I try to do is to shift from a how to to a want to mm-hmm. and focus on what it is that you want to do. And, and, and I think that the saw method really points people towards that, you know, the sense of urgency. Yeah. Well, why do you want this right now? And, and getting to, to that desire and understanding that there's nothing wrong with wanting things, wanting to create things for yourself, wanting to make a contribution in life, wanting to, wanting to be rewarded and respected for the contribution that you make. What's wrong with that? And so a big thing that I, and I, again, you're looking for a, a strategy or framework. I try to keep things simple and they usually fit on a green screen. This is what I try to give to my clients first and foremost, before we go into any kind of working session, these two words. Permission granted. Yeah. To give themselves permission to let go of whatever they've heard about what an elevator pitch needs to be. Permission granted to let go of the obligations. Permission granted to let go of what you heard your junior year in college. Permission to let go of what doesn't work. And we start our work from the same place that every book ever written began. Every book ever written always started at the same place, and that is a blank page. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can, can you believe these props? Jessica, it's so crazy here. I have all kinds of things that I don't, I don't even know why I have this. Hey, right? I have to say, it makes communications very compelling when sometimes you have something to hold. I mean, unfortunately, I only have a pen right next to me. But sometimes when I'm talking, I'll, I'll bring up my pen and like use it as like with my hand gestures. It's part of communications, actually. So it is. It is. I saw when you talked about that, about body language and all that stuff, that you work with your clients to make sure that they are, uh, because confidence comes through in, in our body language and yes. the way that we speak and measuring our cadence and, and things like that. And I think that the work that you're doing with Soulcast is so powerful to help people to find some confidence in their bodies, even when they may not find that same confidence in their minds. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I thought that was very, very powerful. I'm, I'm not a big advocate of fake it till you make it, but I do believe that somehow the way, sometimes the way that we stand and the way that we set ourselves up can help us to create success, even in very, very nerve wracking uh, circumstances. That was what happened to my client on the season 12 of Shark Tank. He uh-huh. was, he was very, very nervous, very nervous going on in front of the sharks. But, but here's, here's what happened. He, in, in his business, he had some debt that we knew was going to come up in the conversation. The sharks were going to ask him about this debt. And by the way, I'm talking about a guy. His name is Aaron Powell. His company is called Bunch Bikes. You can watch this video on YouTube if you put his name in there, Aaron Powell, um, on season 12 of Shark Tank. So Barbara Corcoran started coming after him about this debt that was on his balance sheet. And he was, I mean, he was as, as relaxed as you could be in this kind of high stakes conversation. But here's the thing, and here's why he walked away with a deal on Shark Tank. Because we had actually gone through this exercise. I brought in a bunch of friends of mine to pose as sharks. Yeah, I, I had a buddy of mine that was Mark Cuban. I had a friend that was uh, that was Barbara Corcoran. I, I, so I set up a Shark Tank, and, and we went through sort of in a, in a sandbox what the experience might be like. And so he had taken hard questions and heavy fire around this debt that was on his balance sheet. And you know what he did? You know what his secret sauce, his secret tactic was on Shark Tank? Well, he was super honest. 
He was as authentic as the day is long. And he just said, look, here's where this debt came from. It was because a shipment came in and the shipment was ruined, but I had agreed to pay for it. I had to pay for it. I had to take on the debt to uh, receive the shipment. I could not get insurance for it. And that's, that's where I am. And the Sharks really respected his honesty and his authenticity. And I think that honesty and authenticity is, for me, the, the start of the most powerful elevator pitch. Because when we have honesty, we have authenticity, we're able to tap into something that's, that's a superpower that we all share, and that is our humanity. Our humanity, the ability to connect human to human and to share a vision in, in a way that is compelling. The, the tactics and strategies all flow from there. But finding that connection, finding that authenticity and giving yourself permission and, and, and finding the courage to say what needs to be said, that's where a powerful pitch really begins. Essentially what you're saying, Chris, is the elevator pitch, it cannot be anything else but you. It's not about, and I think this answers one of the questions that we got that I saw earlier, right? It's like, you know, what do I say if I don't really have much to say, right? It's not faking it until you make it. I know you just said you don't really like that. So it's really just being honest about what you have done, even if it doesn't seem much, but you can talk about the feelings, the experiences internally that, you know, you must have learned something, right? So it's asking yourselves that question. Okay, Chris, I do want to get to some questions because okay. I feel like there definitely are some questions who are, that are coming in. And let's say, um, okay, somebody's asking about connection because I know we talked about that earlier. And, you know, there's a lot of holiday parties, you know, happening right now, right? Actually, I'm going to one today. But, you know, when, we're meeting, when we're meeting people, how do we, and this is actually a great time. Now you're talking about yourself. You're meeting somebody for the first time. How do you build that like instant connection with somebody who is perhaps a stranger, just a pure stranger at, in that moment? What do you say? What do you do? How do you act? How do you carry yourself? You have to look in the direction of something that I call the high concept. And a high concept is something that anyone anywhere can say yes to. And if, if you think about it, an effective pitch is really a series of yeses. I, I know that's not very good language, but that's, that's really true. It's a series of yeses. And looking in the direction of a high concept is looking in the direction of something that is universal, that we can all acknowledge and agree to. And it usually fits into this construct. Doesn't it seem like blank? For example, doesn't it seem like we all want a sense of safety in our homes? I mean, that's that's true, right? That's universally true. It doesn't matter where you're from or where you live. That's something that's a high concept. And so if you want to create connection and, and you want to link up with people across gender and age boundaries and whatever boundaries you might perceive to be there, mm -hmm. what is it that you can say that is universally true, that people can agree to? Doesn't it seem like blank? Doesn't it seem like the traffic on the 405 at rush hour is ridiculous? I mean, that's always true. Even if you don't live in Southern California, believe me, that's always true, right? So what is it that you can say or share that is a high concept? And actually, that could be some homework if you wanted to look at that, is to, to practice finding some things that are universally true. And, and by extension, the things that are universally true, what are some things that are universally true in your industry or in your business? Hmm. Doesn't it seem like every business needs fuel in order to run? And the fuel of a business is money and revenues. Mm -hmm. You're looking for things that 
what you're really practicing is being inarguable. <laughs> you're saying things that people that people can't argue about because they're simply true. And that to me looks like a great way to look in the direction of what it is that connects us. What is that connection that we can all agree to? Mm-hmm. And then you can elaborate from there. And maybe, maybe after you get someone to agree to what it is that you're sharing, you can say something that's maybe surprising about what you have to offer about your company or about your solution. Okay. So you're saying when it comes to meeting people for the very first time is kicking off the conversation with something that is relatively safe. Well, you said it's universally true, right? Because it's getting people to say that, oh yeah, I agree, right? And immediately you're you're establishing that rapport that, oh, okay, I get it. You get it, right? We we got that connection, and then we can then kick off the conversation. But you know what? What are those universally things that are true? It can be related to your industry, your specific profession, or you know, if you're meeting somebody, you kind of know the context of that event, right? In kind of doing some research of who's going to be there, you know, the type of audience, what are the things that they care about. Doing your research ahead of time, so when you walk into that event, you kind of are prepared with some, you know, talking points essentially, right? Talking points, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, you know, as well as I do, because you speak to a lot of groups, Jessica, you, you want to walk out on stage and say what the audience is thinking. You, you want to say to an audience of wealth managers, for example, doesn't it seem like managing finances is more critical now than at any other time in history? And, and what I did there was not only did I combine a high concept, but I also borrowed from your saw philosophy, which is to create a sense of urgency. Yep. So I think by just providing some space to yourself, granting yourself some permission to think about what is it that connects us all? What is it that you would like to say and share? What can you say that ignites your audience's expertise rather than walking in, kicking the door down? and leading with your own expertise. Let me tell you how smart I am. That's exhausting. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. <laughs> Why don't you ignite the expertise in the room by acknowledging it? What, what is the expertise? What is top of mind for the people that you are talking to? Start there and watch what happens. I'm looking at some of the comments. And by the way, if there are any technical difficulties, I know sometimes the way this streams, because it's streaming into LinkedIn, I know sometimes there can be some tech difficulties. If you see us kind of repeating ourselves, you probably just need to refresh it because it's just kind of has this like weird like disconnect, which is streaming, which is, you know, one of the unfortunate technical difficulties. So if there's any like weird tech glitches on your end, just simply refresh your browser or your phone and it should pick back up live where we are. So one of the um, folks here is asking, okay, what do I do if I actually have a lot to say? (laughs) What if I have so much I want to talk about because maybe I'm excited, maybe because, yeah, there's a lot of things to say. How do I narrow it? Because Chris, one thing I'm sure you and I can agree on is anybody who is so long-winded, I mean, we just lose people, right? So how do you keep your communications concise? Do you have any tips there? If you could only say one thing, what would that one thing be? It's and asking yourself that question, right? It is. And, and this, is a, this is something that I do in, in my training and my coaching is that I share with people the idea of a one-word story. And, and this is the antidote for long-windedness. And whenever I say, I'm going to show you how to do a one-word story, people go, that's impossible. A story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's no way that you can do a one-word story. And I say, hold on a second. Let me show you the, a picture. I'm going to show you a picture. And I want you 
to say the one word story. And, and if, if you will, for those of you that are, that are with us, put your one word story in the chat, because when you mm. see this image, a one word story will show up for you. Please write down what it is. Here is that image. The one word story. I love that image. What is that one word story? What's the one word story that shows up for you? Put it in the chat. Yeah, actually, for those who are watching right now, if there was a one word, is it essentially a one word that describes you? If there was one word to kind of encompass who you are, what that would be? Is that what you're asking, Chris? I'm asking when you look at this image, what do you see? What's the one word that pops to your head into your head first and foremost? Because if you jump into, well, now I'm thinking back about myself, that's that's not where we are. We got to look at the image here to illustrate the point. What is Nicole the one word? Says What's the one word that shows up when yeah, you see I Relationship from Charles. Ooh, that's a good Dan one. Connection, relationship. Regina saying connection. Christina saying driven. Driven. Interesting, Christina. Yeah, that is interesting. Bonding, family, trust, dependence. Now oh, I like this. This is good. See? Love, and now we get to now we get to take the Jessica, you're you're a couple steps ahead of me. Now we get to move towards what's that one word story for your pitch? What's that one word? And and maybe it's a conceptual word. Maybe it is words like bonding, connection. Maybe it's a word like integrity. Maybe it's a word like growth. But if if long-windedness is your challenge, and it's a challenge for all of us from time it to is. time, there's nothing wrong with that. It just means you care and you got a lot to say. <laughs> That's a good thing. But you have to start somewhere. What's that one word? And remember, a picture is worth a thousand words. So what can you do? to share your one word story. Okay, let's try to like, okay, I wanna connect, I wanna connect the dots here. Okay. okay so you pulled up that picture and I'm seeing all the folks who are saying, what what's the word that comes into their mind, which by the way is amazing, right? It's dependence, vulnerability, authenticity. It's these really powerful, very powerful words, right? And you're saying, think about your one word story when it comes to talking, essentially talking about yourself, right? But how does mm -hmm. that, how does that work though, Chris? Like if I'm thinking authenticity, right? Like Laura just wrote, if I'm thinking about the word authenticity, how does that relate to my, my elevator pitch or, or connection? You know, some of the words that are coming in right now, how does that relate to me creating or mastering my elevator pitch? What is that? What do these words have to do with that? These words, these one word stories help you to begin the conversation. And these one word stories, these single words become your North Star. In other words, you never get lost when you know where the North Star is. That's how sailors used to navigate in the days before GPS and satellites and all those kinds of things. They looked for the North Star and they calibrated their instruments based on that North Star. And you can calibrate your conversation based on a single word a single concept, a single idea. And if you're wondering if that's true, you just did it. You just did it for this picture here. What's the picture for yourself, for your career that you want to share? And if that one word story is like my one word story, which is this, what can you do or say to help create the thing that you are on about? You know, for me, in order to facilitate connection, I, I feel pretty lucky. I got connected with Jessica Chin today. 
and I got connected with all of you. And that connection and being able to share ideas in the spirit of service. I think that's how my, that's how my elevator pitch starts anyway. The big aha moment for me, just as we're kind of going through this exercise, by the way, is what we talked about maybe well, it was 20 minutes ago now. It's reminding ourselves of the humanity of our elevator pitch, right? It, when we go into thinking, okay, we have to talk about ourselves, we have to do this, we have to do that, we sometimes forget that the person we are talking to at the other end is another person, right? So all these words that people were writing in, which is amazing, right? Cooperation, care, authenticity. It's even before you walk into that meeting, before you even say your first word, is reminding yourself of that word right? That word that you wrote in the chat and thinking, wait a second. Okay. I know I'm here because I want to pitch this, say that, right? But in the end, let me just remind myself that it is a conversation. We talked about this the first few minutes when we started this chat. It's a conversation and leading with that heart. People feel that genuineness, you know, people don't want to be sold to, right? That's just human nature. But if you lead with all those things that everybody wrote, which are amazing and powerful words, People feel that. And honestly, I feel like, and afterwards, anything you say after that, it lands a little differently. You said a mouthful there. <laughs> and, and I mean, that is so very true. And if we spend our time offering tactics and strategies, which are important, you've got, I mean, you, you've got to have some breakdown and some tools yeah, to use. The soft framework here. Yes. <laughs> right, right. I mean, well, I, and the soft framework is valuable. I'm a fan of it. <laughs> but, but first things first, mm -hmm. connection humanity and and what is it that is your passion that is your vision that you want to share and i find that when people connect with what it is that they are saying the funny thing is the modulation of their voice changes the way that they stand and the way that they present and their body language changes and my coaching focuses on helping people change from the inside out yes not not trying you know what i mean because here's the thing i don't want people to be like okay assume attack pattern delta 9 and say the <laughs> following word cuz your elevator pitch is a paint by number script and because i said this and it made me a national champion you should say the same thing <clears throat> false does not pass the test no that is not true we all have our own paths we all have our own stories to tell and quite frankly, I don't want to coach people to my expertise. I want to coach them to theirs. I want to coach them to their experience level, not to mine. If I didn't do that, I could never work with people in, from countries that I've never even visited. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, I want people to see things on their own terms and, and understanding state of mind, as well as some of the strategies for effective communication, is, is to my mind, the way to create the conversation that we all need. It's so hard though, right? Sometimes, Chris, you know, when all of us are so busy, we have a long to-do list of things to check off. We have these 30-minute, one-hour meetings back-to-back -back where it's like an agenda with our manager, with our team, right? It, or, or with strangers that we are pitching for the first time, that it's hard to think, okay, how can I go in with all these, you know, one-word stories, right? But I, like I said earlier, I think when we kind of reframe our mind, which is what communications is, effective communications isn't necessarily, you know, saying great words, saying powerful words. Honestly, like I said earlier, when you remind yourself that, hey, I'm just talking to somebody on the other end, I'm sharing what it is I'm passionate about, how it's going to help them, everything lands a little differently. And you, we kind of alluded to this earlier of like, even the way you speak, 
seems a little different. The way you stand is a little differently because now it's, you're, you're, not, you're not having this like bravado, right? It's more like, hey, let me just chat. Let me just share, right? Um, and I think that's almost kind of the essence. And for those who are watching and you're all thinking, this was not the conversation that I thought, you know, we were going to be having. Like I wanted to walk away with some real tips. I mean, we can, we can talk about the saw framework, which honestly I talk about all the time already on these shows. But I think at the heart of today's talk is really understanding the humanity of communications. And that's the most powerful. Well, here's here's the tip that made a huge impact on me. And I'll share it if I can. If I can I just share a quick story? Sure. Friend of mine, Murray Wilcox, he's a surfer in Cape Town, South Africa. And and this guy, he's an extreme surfer. So he's looking for waves that are 15 feet, 20 feet, 25 feet high. So these waves can weigh 600 tons. I mean, if you're on the wrong side of the wave, you're, you're dead. So when Murray Wilcox is out there surfing and doing what he does for fun, it's, it's basically a matter of life and death. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes given a presentation, you feel like a matter of life and death. Even they can, not, right? All the anxiety. Yeah. Cause all the anxiety, cause all the obligations and all that, you know, if I don't do this right and how am I coming across and what are people going to think of me when I'm done talking and all those kinds of things. I said to Murray Wilcox, I said, look, you're at the top of a 20 foot wave. What are you thinking? Are you thinking, you know, are you going to go right, right, left, left, left? Are you thinking about what your coach told you last week? Are you thinking about what you saw when somebody crashed a month ago? I mean, what is going through your mind? What are you thinking? Do you know what Murray Wilcox said to me? What did he say? He said, nothing. I'm not thinking of anything. Because you know what? Life, conversations, I mean, we, we have our plans. Plans are useful. Uh, uh, training, useful, wise, important. But being in the moment, like a surfer at the top of the wave or a person involved in a high stakes conversation, how you show up is going to create the world around you. And being able to be flexible and adaptable and giving yourself permission and giving yourself the freedom to say what needs to be said, that to me is more powerful than any tactic or strategy that I could share. And I don't know if that meets the audience's expectations or not, but in my own experience, here's what I've seen. When I am at my best is when I get out of my own way and I get out of my own head. And, and sometimes that means that I have to plan and I have to write and I have to, I have to internalize these processes so that I can forget them and step into what life is, is asking of me. And that I think is the most powerful elevator pitch training that, that you could learn is not to memorize a speech, but to understand how to show up differently for whoever it is that you wish to influence from your, the sharks on TV to your spouse. And the key here is it's doing the work ahead of time and not trying to cram all these things, but it's also not showing up and just thinking you're going to wing it either. Right. I do think great exactly. communicators, they prepare, they think about it, but when they are in that moment, they're not running through a checklist of, okay, did I say this? Did I say that? Did I hit that point? Right. It's like you're doing that ahead of time so that when you are in that moment, it feels good. It feels natural. It just flows. Right. right? I think so. And when we look away from the obligation of what this needs to be, we step closer to what it really is. 
And I'm not, I'm not saying don't prepare, don't take the time. In fact, preparation is what creates confidence. Mm -hmm. Yep. But one of the things I share with my clients who are like, you know, I, I, who want to practice things, I, I say, listen, you know, of course, practice takes discipline and discipline is simply remembering what it is that you want. And if you want to create a persuasive and compelling conversation, you will take the time to digest the strategies. You will take the time to invest in the offers from Soulcast Media. You will invest in yourself so that you can have clarity of mind and communicate with that same clarity in a way that's simple and in a way that creates the series of yeses that opens up the door to new possibility. And here's the thing, you know, sometimes we may not get it right the first time, right? We may start a conversation where we're like, ugh, that, that was not great. I didn't feel good. And that's okay. You know, like you just got to try Trust me. When I first started as a TV reporter and I'm watch and I watch back all like the initial broadcast that I did, I'm like, Oh gosh, like, is that me? <laughs> right. But that's the thing. You start somewhere, you practice, you get better. And now I do these lives with amazing guests like you, Chris, and it, it, and it just flows, right? Like I just have a conversation with you and it's fun. It's engaging, but you know, there's a little prep, of course, ahead of time before, you know, you and I jump on. But for the most part, I always think about you, my guests, and I always think about the audience and what they care about. Those are just the things that I think about whenever I come on these, because to me, it's simple, right? My guests and my audience. That's it. And then it just flows. I think that's so powerful. And I, I try to do the same thing, Jessica. I had an experience. We were talking about this a little bit before the show. I, I had an experience where I was interviewed by Tamron Hall. I was on the Tamron Hall show, ABC Studios in New York. And before I went into this conversation, you know, in front of a live studio audience and, you know, I'm, I'm in hair and makeup and I'm all suited up and everything and I'm going onto the set and I'm a nervous wreck and I'm trying to think, where do I put my attention? Do I try, you know, am I trying to memorize new things to say or whatever? No, you know what I did? I said, I'm going to put my attention on one place. I'm going to put my attention on Tamron Hall. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put my attention on Tamron Hall. And, and from there, I followed the questions that she asked, hopefully the way that I followed you today, because <laughs> I put my attention today, Jessica. But I put my attention on, on what matters most. And mm -hmm. for me, what matters most is the person right in front of me. And, and the audience that, that I'm trying to serve. And I don't think that that's just a Chris Westfall story. I think that's true for all of us. There's a, there's a famous quote from uh, George Eliot, a writer from England from the 19th century. And George Eliot famously said, what do we live for if not to make life less difficult for one another? Mm, yes. And in the spirit of making things easier, what is it that you can say or share that would be of greatest service that would help your boss, your spouse, your daughter, your son, your best friend. And give yourself permission to look in that direction, to, to look for that, that part of you, that part of your humanity that is extraordinary. Cause it's there. It's, it's waiting to come out. And, and if you let it out and put it into an elevator pitch, you never know. You never know what might happen if you give yourself the permission to have that conversation and release yourself from obligations of like you, well, you need to stand like this and hold the pen like this. And, you know, <laughs> here's how you do it. That stuff is useful so that you can be relaxed and you can be real. But at the end of the day, what's the story that's trying to come through you? Let it out. It's funny because, you know, 
as a former TV person, we were also trained, right, to sit this way, carry ourselves this way, talk this way, right? I mean, we were legitimately trained to do these things. And these are great, honestly, the great skills. But after a while, you start to kind of make your own little tweaks to what feels good to you, right? How my coworker would sit and talk didn't necessarily work for me, right? You eventually just have to find your own way. But yeah, learning the the fundamentals, right? The, the strategies, the tactics, it sets a good foundation. But in the end, you don't want to necessarily always be following things step by step. You want to make it your own. Okay. We're about to wrap up here, Chris. And I, by the way, I would just kind of want to continue chatting with you just because how amazing this conversation has been. I'm curious though, for our audience here, you know, you've all been here, like there's almost a hundred of you on who stayed on the entire time. What's actually something that you've taken away? I'm curious from this conversation between me and Chris, throw it into the chat function. I, I would be very curious to hear like, you know, Chris and I've talked about so many kind of both tangible and not tangible things that has to do with communications. But ultimately, I'm very curious to hear what what is it that you're you're taking away from our talk today in regards to communications, the elevator pitch, how to carry yourself, just throw into the chat function. But Chris, as we as we start to wrap up here, what's I like to ask my guests, what's a golden nugget? What's a golden nugget that you would want our audience members to walk away from today's chat when they think about today's topic of mastering your elevator pitch? I think the golden nugget is, um, and I'm going to say it in just two words, Jessica Chin. <laughs> I think that, no, I here's the thing that I think is so powerful about what you do. I mean, you provide these strategies and guidance, but it is the person behind those strategies and your come from that makes your work so powerful on Soulcast Media. And, and you know, when we try to be like what we should be, we step into that persona right? That news person. I'm sure I've violated everything that you've learned in your media training today, um, including all of these green cards. Uh, but behind the persona is a person. And Jessica, I applaud you for bringing the, your, the person, the, the, the authenticity to the conversation, because that's where it all starts. That's true for your elevator pitch. That's true for, for a podcast, for LinkedIn Live. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and, and I think that when we are, you know, the question that I would have for the audience, are you trying to be a persona or are you giving yourself permission to be a person? And, and you do that, Jessica, and I applaud you for it. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. And honestly, it's just been so fantastic hearing you and your thoughts. And by the way, I saw this a few times in the chat. People want to know your mind reading trick. <laughs> People will not let you go until you tell them your mind reading trick. Well, if I, it's, I don't know if I can do it in two minutes or less. I don't know. Will, you, will they stay with me? All right, do let's just think? do it. Let's just do it. Can talk we try it? Okay, here we go. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, take a look behind me right there in the corner. Do you see this right here? What is this that I'm pointing at? Can you put it in the chat? What is you it? See it? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> I got it. Folks, this is an empty chair. The empty chair right here. And the empty chair is something that allows us to read minds. The empty chair, it's, it's a metaphor. It's a seat at the table for someone who is not in the room, but who will be directly and personally impacted by the change that you propose. All persuasive conversations are about change, right? Whether we're going to try a restaurant for the first time, or you're going to get that big promotion, or your business is going to get the funding that you're asking for. The empty chair is a seat at the table for the patient. 
who's going to go through the MRI machine at Hogue Hospital in Orange County next year. She's not in the room when the doctors and hospital administrators are making a seven-figure investment decision about that MRI machine. And yet, when it's time for her treatment, directly, personally, and powerfully impacted. Do you see? The empty chair is a seat at the table for the third grade student in, in Dallas, Texas, who's going to read a history textbook next year. Not in the room when the teachers and school administrators decide what that textbook's going to be, and yet directly and personally impacted. You see it? The empty chair points towards an aspect of human nature that we all share, and it's this. Right now, all of us, every one of us on this call, we're all thinking about the exact same thing. We're all thinking about ourselves. That's not to say that you are selfish or I'm selfish. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that we are wired to act in our own self-interest, our survival instinct. Makes sense? But here's what I know. I have people right now who are here with me, but they're not here with me. I'm talking about my family. I'm talking about the publicity team that supports me. I'm talking about the folks at Wiley that helped me to publish my books. Talk about the assistants that helped me to do what I do, the clients that I serve. Do you follow me? These, these people are here with me, but they're not physically here with me. Is that true for you? Because, oh, yeah. because if that is, right? If that's true for you and it's true for me, here's the thing, Jessica. We're looking in the direction of our humanity. We're looking at a principle. It's something that we all share. We all have somebody who sits in the empty chair. And that means that the people that you're talking to, the investors, your boss, there's somebody who sits in the empty chair. And when we say to someone, not only do I see you, which is acknowledgement and that deepens the conversation, but I see you and I see the people that you care about, the conversation goes to a deeper level. It gives us the ability to read minds, not by voodoo or NLP or some other kind of jujitsu mental <laughs> gymnastics. It's simply an aspect of human psychology that we all identify, that we all experience, and that we all see. So my question for the audience is, is who sits in your empty chair? And for the people that you wish to influence, who sits in their empty chair? And if you work in sales or if, you, if you're trying to persuade people a useful way to think of the empty chair is that it is a seat at the table for your customer's customer. That's who sits in the empty chair. And that's what it comes down to. It's just always remembering who, who are your stakeholders? What is it that they care about, even though they may not be there in that moment? Okay. So Chris, okay. I, first of all, thank you so much that we shared today. Chris, how can people find you, get in contact with you? Please share with the audience. Well, you can find out more about me on my website, which is westfallonline.com. You see it there right there in the Chiron down below me. Um, and if you're curious to know about how to amplify your pitch skills and that sort of thing, altavistaleadership.com can tell you more about some of the programs that I have to offer to help you to deepen your skills. That's how people can get in touch. Please get in touch with Chris. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to business, leadership, and just how to be a good communicator, right? Just the fundamentals of that. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're inspired to begin improving your communications confidence, well, we'd love to help. 
Join our monthly communications membership where I teach a brand new communications workshop every single month. Or become a VIP member to access our best communications articles for life. Or maybe get one-on-one coaching with one of our board of communicators. We offer so many ways for you to learn and it's all housed on our website, soulcastmedia.com. Check it out and happy communicating.